There's one thing I want you to do for me. What? Come here. What? Win. What are we waiting for? Take this! Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast, episode 102. My guest today is 1988 Olympian and two-time world silver medalist Jim Shear. 1984 NCAA champion. I'm very excited to have him. Let's bring him in. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I, uh, you know, I've always known who you were, but, you know, because I used to read about you in USA Wrestler and all that stuff, and I, and I saw that you had wrestled, um, I'm probably saying his name wrong, but Markabet Kartsev, is that how you say it? Um, yeah, Maharbek Hadartsev. Okay. Like well, a, like okay. <laughs> he was, uh, one of the best wrestlers of all time. I mean, that guy's won he was, seven, seven times, right? World champion? Yeah, I don't know if he was a um, six, five, six-time world champion, a couple-time Olympic champion, but he, yeah. um, something like that. He was the um, strongest guy I ever wrestled by far, just physically yeah. strong. Yeah. Um, his defense was really good. He had some good attacks, but just strength. Um, and I wrestled some strong guys like Mark Coleman and Dan Shade and, and uh, Mark Schultz, but this guy was off the charts strength-wise. So even stronger than Mark Schultz, huh? Oh, yeah. Mark, Mark was strong, but he kind of um, wrestled really relaxed and limber. Yeah. He didn't put his hands on you, didn't have weight on you. Yeah. Mark's have had weight on you all the time. You know, the first time I wrestled in 45 seconds into the match, I was exhausted. Really? how much pressure he kept on you and how much weight he had on you. Yeah. Well, I was watching the match that where you beat him, and I, I didn't know that you had beaten him, and I had never seen the match. So I'm sitting here watching it, and I was watching it like I would any other wrestling match today without knowing the result. And, you know, I don't even – I've never spoken to you until just now, and I'm like, come on, Jimmy. <laughs> I'm like calling you Jimmy. I don't know if people call you Jimmy or not, but my brother's name's Jim, and we call him Jimmy. So I'm yeah, getting quite I'm, excited. And, yeah. and then when it became two to two, I couldn't remember the old criteria rules. I didn't know if you were winning or losing. And then when you threw him for three, dude, I jumped out of my seat. I mean, it was great. You beat one of the fun. best wrestlers ever. That was so cool I'm to me. Glad I was there. Yeah, I lost to him in the uh, eighty. Six Goodwill games, but I had just gone up to 198 from that was my first um, time up to 198, and I I got and I was really lightweight for 198 anyway, and I got second and a dog over there, and I got beat pretty good by him. Yeah, and then I wrestled him in the um, 80 in the 89 World Cup, um, and then the. 1990 Goodwill Games. I lost in the um, last second in the my 89 World Championships. He beat me in the takedown with like 30 seconds left. 89 World Cup, I beat him. And then in the uh, 90 Goodwill Games, same thing, last second takedown with like 30 seconds left. He won. So the last three matches were either way. Yeah. And then I retired in uh, 1990. So. I, I was watching him, and I was I was watching you wrestling, and I was thinking, God, that guy looks freakishly strong. Do you even want to speculate on whether or not he was uh, on steroids or not? <laughs> I'm going to guess that from the time frame of about 85 through 90, he was pretty well juiced up. Yeah. And then after that, his last three or four years in the sport, I don't think he was or he was to the same level because his performance kind of trailed off after that as well. I think it was a combination of two things. You know, one is his nutritional regimen was probably different. And um, then the old Soviet Union um, kind of fell apart and the training system that they had wasn't in place in, you know, 90 to, to 96, whenever he ended, as, as it had been earlier in his career. Yeah. And, you know, you've obviously wrestled some super strong guys, but he was just not, he was just almost not human strength. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't close. It was he was thirty or forty percent stronger than some of the strongest guys I've wrestled. Wow. 
I mean, when I wrestled Dan Shade and Mark Coleman, because they were stronger than I was, I felt beat up after the matches. And he was on another level completely. Yeah. So the last time you beat him was that, or when you beat him, was that the last time you wrestled? Is that what you said? That's second to last time I wrestled him. Okay. Okay. And when you say you lost him at the World Championships, I guess was that that had to be the finals because you got you were two times. Yeah, that was the finals in '89. Okay. Um, and I had dislocated my shoulder in the Olympic trials in '88 and wasn't happy with how I wrestled in '88. And then I had my shoulder operated on, and it must have been right before Thanksgiving, or like the day before Thanksgiving in November of of '89. Uh, or November of 88, okay. and um, felt so good. I wrestled in the Midlands tournament um, oh, really? a month later, and um, shouldn't have been, but so I wrestled in Midlands and then five international tournaments, and I got uh, most outstanding wrestler in Midlands, the national championships, three other international events, and then beat him in the World Cup, and then just kind of ran out of steam by the, the World Championships. I think I wrestled a little bit too much that year, but it was fun, good year, and, and then retired in 90. Yeah. How did you first get into wrestling? What age were you? I was um, third, maybe fourth grade. And my brother, and I was going to play basketball. I got a basketball hoop for, for my birthday, and my dad put it in the driveway, and I was out playing basketball all the time. And my brother, my twin brother, Bill, he wanted to wrestle, so – he went to wrestling practice and learned some wrestling moves. And he came home and started rubbing my nose in the carpet um, <laughs> for a couple of days. And I said, well, I think I'm going to have to go out for wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> was he always just a little bit bigger than you? He was. He always just had a few, couple of pounds on me. And he was a little bit meaner than I was when we were little. So yeah, he kind of took a little, uh, a few drubbings now and then. Yeah. I bet that was a huge advantage, though, to have a twin who was just as good as you, um, or better, and uh, a little bit bigger than you. I mean, a lot of people don't have that good of a training partner in their own house. Well, it was good because it, one, not only had a training partner, somebody to, to keep you sharp you know, physically and your technique, and you know, we didn't have to go looking for a workout partner. The other thing is it kept you motivated. You know, on a daily basis, I wanted to get better just to beat him. Were you guys always pretty much on the same level or was there ever a time that he was better than you or you better than him? We were always really close. I, we wrestled one time, one official match in sixth grade. Yeah. I got a takedown uh, right off the whistle and then ran for five and a half minutes. <laughs> and uh, so I held the only win in the official competition, 1-0. Do you still give him crap about that? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, we, got in, we got in a lot of fights. Um, on the wrestling mat and off the wrestling mat, though, from pretty much birth until probably through our sophomore year in high school. And it kind of slowed down after that. Yeah, I bet. Could, we're at the point where you could do some real damage then. Yeah. My brother and I, I didn't have a twin, but he was only uh, less than two years older than me. So we were close enough in age that he could, he could beat me just enough to make me mad, you know. Um, and I couldn't really do anything about it. Um, so... I get that. We used to destroy the house completely, just crashing things. And my dad used to say it was like two bulls in a china china shop, you know, because we would crash into everything. But we were about, I don't remember, fifth grade. I put his head through a wall. He got <laughs> stitches and he had to go to the hospital in the middle of the night. Yeah. I remember my mom, take his shirt off, take his shirt off, because they're cutting off at the hospital and I don't want to buy a new shirt. <laughs> <laughs> How did uh, how did you do in high school? I um, you know we weren't. I, Bill was better than I was in high school. And it was one of those things where, you know, my freshman year I was 119 pounds, and my senior year I was 167. So I just kept growing, um, and um, you know, my sophomore year, my freshman year I was one match from placing in state, and South Dakota is not that great. Um, sophomore year I went up to from 119 to 138 and kind of got beat up pretty good. I didn't have that good a year. Um, junior year, I was ranked second in state and I lost to the um, guy seated um, first in state. Somehow we got drawn in the same quarters 
uh, 9-8 in overtime. And then I won it my senior year. Uh, my brother won it twice. But we went to a lot of national tournaments from our freshman year on. And we were better in freestyle than, than, than high school wrestling. We did pretty well in the um, different national championships. Yeah. It's not, Bill won junior nationals, but I think I got fourth and he won. Still pretty dang good. Did you, uh, do you prefer freestyle over folk style? You know, I did through um, kind of high school into college and probably about my you know, junior, senior in college. It was kind of more equal um, as I got better at, at uh, folk style wrestling. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of differences. Pretty big divide in those days. It's I think kind of still is with the um, out of bounds rule. Yeah. But um, yeah, and and at the end of the day, I think I was a better freestyler than a collegiate wrestler. Yeah. What do you think about the new stalling rules in collegiate wrestling? Do they um, be crazy as a fan, or do you like them? I'm not crazy about it. Um, one, I don't like subjectivity. And then two, I don't like um, you know, forcing officials into having to call stuff. Yeah. Um, and then three, you know, the, the out of bounds rules and how they interpret everything just drives me crazy watching a college match and see some guy clawing for the edge um, to escape a takedown. It's just some like, wait a minute, that's not really wrestling. Yeah. It is, but it isn't <laughs> it isn't the wrestling I'd like to see. What drives me crazy is when they let guys stall on top. I, I feel like I see that all the time. And maybe it's just because when I was in high school, I got hit for stalling on top all the time. If you didn't get out to the side, you got hit for stalling. And now I don't see yeah. it really ever. And I don't I, know if that's. Back when I was in college, you had to get pretty aggressive on top or you were going to get a count and then get hit. Yeah. Um, nowadays, and, and when I was in college, I mean, they, they timed by hand, they didn't have scorecards. But um, it's a long time ago, but nowadays, you know, I see guys, you know, basically riding, maybe faking a move, and it's difficult for the officials because you have to determine whether or not somebody's actually trying an offensive move, yeah. but if they have a decent amount of experience, they should be able to tell, but yeah, they get away with a lot of stalling on top nowadays. Yeah. What made you decide to go to Nebraska? Um, well, it was, you know, we had been recruited by um, Wisconsin and Nebraska a little bit by, by a few other schools. My brother got recruited pretty hard by Michigan. But you know, once we took the, the trip to Nebraska, we thought the program was going to be on the rise. They had incredible facilities, and it was still a you know long drive, but a, but a one day drive from our from our hometown, so our parents could get to the meets and and we could drive back and forth if we needed to. So that um, yeah, was a it was a good choice in, at the end. Who did you, you were a two-time All-American, is that right? I was, same kind of, same thing happened in college as happened in high school. My freshman year, I wrestled 158, it kind of cut down pretty big, um, hurt my hand in the, broke my hand in the week before the Big 8 tournament and didn't qualify for nationals. Uh, sophomore year, I got fifth, and then my junior year, I was seated second, um, got a tore my bursus sack and hurt my knee the night before the tournament. Wow. The morning of the tournament, this um, Oklahoma State doctor shot my knee up and I got a staph infection in my knee and I had about 105 temperature. Couldn't bend my knee and I had a bad temperature and lost my uh, second round match to a guy I had beaten by a tech fall earlier in the year. Wow. And on my senior year, I, I won the uh, Dwayne Goldman in the finals. It was a good wrestling. Dwayne Goldman's from Iowa, right? Yeah. 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 I'm a nerd about that stuff. I seem to remember names from way back in the day that a lot of people don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate to think about how far, how long ago it actually was. But. Yeah. I think, I think about it sometimes too. It's, it, it's crazy how fast it goes. You always hear that when you're younger and you're like, yeah, whatever. And then, <laughs> you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be 45 and I'm like, how did that happen? You know, that goes quick. I used to, my wrestling camps, you know, list a couple of names of, prior NCAA champions, even from a couple of years before that. And I'd ask the kids, okay, who knows who, you know, Mark Coleman was or Mark DiGirolamo or whoever. And nobody would raise their hands and I'd go, okay, so you're not in this for the fame because that guy won an NCAA title three years ago. Nobody <laughs> here knows who he is. So you better yeah. be in it for the right reasons. Yeah. 
What do you remember about your NCAA finals match? Um, I had torn a hamstring very badly the week before the NCAA tournament. Again, it was my brother that did it. <laughs> um, so I shot, I, I wrestled through um, the quarterfinals without getting shot up. And I beat Mark Cody, who I'm sure you know of. I know the name. Uh, and um, a pretty close match. And then uh, in the quarters and then the semis, I shot my leg up and I shot it up in the finals. And the one thing I remember is I couldn't feel anything from my hip down to my calf. I just, that leg wasn't there. <laughs> I just couldn't feel it. But, um, and I ended up winning in a close match. And just remember being really, um, you know, fulfilled that I was able to, to achieve that goal before I graduated. And my brother won uh, the same year and our family was there. So the biggest thing about it was just really nice family get together. Yeah. Um, memories of that as a, our whole family, and a lot of extended family members there. So I was reading about your brother a little bit and I thought you guys won it in separate years, but you did win it in the same year? No, we both won in 84. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. I can't imagine. My, my brother and I think I won Kid State together one year and that was pretty sweet. I can't imagine playing <laughs> NCA titles together. Yeah, that's awesome. What's the hardest loss you've ever had? Is it one of those world championships? Um, I think the, um, well, the loss in the state tournament my junior year was one that because of how big that was in my mind, that had a huge emotional impact. But the biggest one is the loss in the Olympics in the semifinals. Okay. Or the, it wasn't actually semifinals. It was, they had round robin in the pool. So it was a, round robin final in my pool and I was beating the Japanese guy pretty handily and and um, fell on my back and got pinned with about a minute left in the match and um, so didn't didn't come through and get an Olympic medal and I you know it's something that I very rarely think about and um, just kind of most of the time I wonder why I haven't thought about it more maybe it's one of those things you just it's like a shock trauma, you know, you know, it's a car accident you don't ever think about. Um, but the one thing that's disappointing to me is I, I feel like I let down the teammate, let down the coaches, let down the country by, by not coming through and doing what I, what I was capable of doing. Um, for me, I had a great career and a nice, a nice bite at the apple, and it would have been nice to do that. But I enjoyed my wrestling career regardless of that. Yeah. And uh, I feel like I kind of let some other people down. What would you say the best victory of your career was? Um, I would have to say I went in the Olympic trials in, in 88, um, same, you know, with my brother, um, winning the uh, NCAA with him, and then that World Cup win against the Darts. So those are kind of three highlights. I'm not sure I would um, Yeah. You know. Yeah, that Kartsayev match was freaking awesome, dude. Who else was on the 88 Olympic team with you? Barry Davis, I know, was. I just talked to Barry. It was a phenomenal um, Olympic team. Um, Ken Chertow was at 114. Um, Barry Davis, Tim Vanny at 105. Um, we had John Smith, Kenny Monday, um, you know, Mark Schultz, and my brother, Bruce Baumgartner. It was, it was a really good team. We, we should have done better than we, we did as a team. There were 10 weight classes back then, right? Is that 10? There were. We probably could have come out with, with eight medals if we'd all performed well. So did you get to wrestle back at all, or were you just done after you lost that match? Well, because of the way the round robin worked, I beat the other guy from, um, from Hungary in the round robin, and he beat the Japanese guy. So I think I could have lost to the Japanese guy and still made the finals, the way the points worked. Um, but because I got pinned, and I got zero, and he got four good marks. Um, the best I could do was wrestle for fifth and sixth, so I ended up third in the pool, and I wrestled for fifth and sixth. Um, I think it was, I don't remember. That was one of those matches where I didn't remember the match. I was kind of still in the fog. Uh, I ended up winning for fifth. I think I won five nothing or something. But, um, but yeah, that's the best I could do was fifth after that. Yeah. Well, that was a great team. What's it like to wrestle in the Olympics? It, it was pretty special. Um, you know, it's a, it's just another wrestling competition, but then you put it in the Olympic Games, something that 
you know, from when you're very young means so much in terms of you know, the Olympic lore and, and the past U.S. wrestlers and great U.S. athletes that have competed in the Olympics. And then you're there with all the different countries in the Olympic Village and you get to march in the, the opening ceremonies and, and then wrestle in your competition. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I bet. What do you think the biggest difference is for high-level wrestlers now training for the Olympics versus when you were wrestling? You know, as far as the environment you guys have to be in and the RTCs and all that. Well, I think the, the, the main difference is through the Olympics in 88, um, there was no national team support. You got a warm-up and a pair of wrestling shoes, and you got your choice of three, maybe four trips to go on. And that was it. If you wanted some new wrestling shoes, you had to send your old ones back in. You got, and you got one warm-up and one set of singlets for the year, and then you got a different set of singlets and maybe a new warm-up for the World Championships. And that's all you got. And so I did it as I was on the side. I was coaching and going to graduate school. And, you know, I trained when I could. And it was kind of a, it was a hobby. It wasn't, you were serious about it. And you worked as hard as you could and did as well as you could. But you weren't, um, you weren't a full-time wrestler. You weren't, you were just kind of doing it till you got on with what else you were going to do. So most guys stayed in it a couple of years maximum maybe three or four years past college graduation and you were maybe an assistant coach and and or maybe were in a situation where you're lucky enough to be able to train and then you got on with your life after 89 when the national team program came into being it kind of started to change guys would stick around longer you had the regional training centers more opportunity to train with elite athletes i was just training with the college wrestlers at northwestern and you know every few weeks maybe once a month i'd go down and trained with my brother who was at Indiana. And so you didn't have the professionalized training environment and opportunities you do today. You, you were on the same college team with your brother, right? Yeah, we wrestled at Nebraska. And then he went to coach at Indiana. Um, and I coached at uh, Northwestern. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Um, who do you think is the best U.S. wrestler ever? I mean, I know everyone says John Smith, and I, I agree with it, you know, because of the six in a row and all that. But do you think there's any case for Bruce Baumgartner? I would put it this way. And not having seen Dan wrestle in person competitively, I've seen him wrestle um, pretty close to the end of his career in practice. Um, and I got to wrestle on the same teams with John and watch John over the years. Um, and then um, obviously wrestled in practice against Bruce many, many times and, and and wrestled on many world and couple and won Olympic team with him. I think Gable certainly had the greatest mystique of anyone in the sport. Yeah. Um, and was an incredible competitor during his time. I can't rank him against John. John was the fiercest competitor I've ever seen. Really? Um, yeah. He, he just wasn't going to get beat. And then he had an incredible set of physical talents with flexibility and um, being much stronger than he looked and still fairly, fairly fast yeah. and some great wrestling technique um, and are just a hardened competitor. Bruce was incredibly physically strong. Um, and um, on one hand, he would present, you know, that, uh, you know, every practice would be, oh, I got to practice again. He was like Eeyore. Oh, I'm going to go to competition and get beat. But he also was um, an incredible competitor. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, of the two that I got to, to watch in person, you know, I think from all around perspective, um, John was, was just slightly better. Yeah. Bruce had that longevity and Bruce hung in there for, for that incredible time. So I'd have to, to give him the career nod yeah. uh, because of that. But both unique, unique. And then, you know, at their, their very best peak, one match, one day at their very top, um, you know, Kenny Monday was pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Kenny, on any given day, could have been the, the greatest wrestler of all time. Really? Um, and then you got to put Jordan Burroughs up in there, too. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, what's an example of, of uh, John Smith's fierce competitiveness? 
I mean, other than obviously all his victories. <laughs> <laughs> well, just every practice. You know, John wasn't going to get beat in practice. He might be having a bad day and somebody score a bit on him, but John would, he would cuss up a blue streak and then keep going until he got the better of whoever he's going with. Yeah. And there was a couple of matches with John against um, the Michigan kid, John Fisher. That, um, John should just not have won, just from the position he was in. And a couple of matches with um, a couple of his Soviet opponents where physically he was out of position and behind and could have gotten beat. And he just wasn't going to get beat. He just was so mentally tough and so competitive. And he had just an honorary streak to him. He was not going to get beat. Yeah. I saw him in an interview one time, and this is just a couple of years ago. And he said something like, I can't wrestle for them. If I could, they'd never lose. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. One thing that people probably don't realize is John was, when he was wrestling, and maybe as, as a coach, I don't know, but he was just the most forgetful, um, unfocused guy you've ever seen. And I think maybe he was just so focused on wrestling that he didn't want to think about anything else. Yeah. So every time we were in Europe, so Union, where we were flying on a plane, and you had the physical tickets back then that were cash, he'd leave his ticket or his passport in his seat back pocket. <laughs> and he'd call, pick, you know, he'd get off the plane and he'd pick it out for him. And he'd be walking along, trying to come and get on the next plane. He'd be looking in his pockets and say, John, you looking for this? I mean, it was just nonstop. Just <laughs> all the time. <laughs> He didn't forget any wrestling moves, that's for sure. Yeah. I was like that, too. I was really superstitious about stuff. Like, one time, I, my senior year, I lost my headgear, and someone someone on my team was like, here, use mine. And I'm like, I can't use yours. Freaking <laughs> idiot. <laughs> I'll get beat if I use your headgear. Uh, it's funny, man. Yeah, it kind of bothers me that, you know, I hear discussions about the greatest of all time and all that all the time, and, and, uh, and I agree with most of what everybody says, but it bothers me when they don't mention – Bruce Baumgartner because I'm like how do you just not say I mean the guy won 13 world medals in a row four Olympics I mean it's just that, that, that blows my mind that he was able to do that yeah I don't think they can dismiss what I would say is probably the best career of all time from Bruce yeah. I mean just his longevity and, and hanging in there year after year after year I mean it is so physically hard to go through that cycle and finish a world championship beat up his yard and then say, yeah, I'm going to do that again next year. Yeah. Um, and Bruce did that for 13 years. Yeah. It's pretty unreal. And that was back then when the top three were the only medalists, right? Yeah. So, so not only did he medal in everyone, he was, he was the top three guy in the world for 13 years straight. I just, the fourth uh, place guy didn't get a medal back then. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, and now kids – I see, I see my, some of my buddies with, like, their, their kids after some of these kids' tournaments, and they've got these trophies and plaques. I'm like, did the kid win the world championship? I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, back in the day, he's got a medal, and you're happy to get it. I don't I'm know. I'm not a big believer in, you know, these huge – obviously, recognizing kids for advancement and progress and doing something is necessary. But, you know, showing up at a wrestling tournament and coming home with a four – and getting eighth place and coming home with a four-foot-high trophy – really isn't teaching your kids much. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, do you have kids? I do. I've got actually five. Oh, wow. Um, the youngest one um, is uh, turns four on June 29th. Oh, cool. And my wife came home four and a half years ago and said, sit down. I said, what's up? She goes, well, I got a surprise. I'm, I'm pregnant. I said, you know who the dad is? <laughs> and uh, that didn't go over very well. Oh, um, uh, it's a lot of fun. Our next oldest is um, is seventeen. She's junior in high school, and I've got one boy that's played basketball in high school. He's graduating tomorrow. Oh, uh, cool. Virtually, he's going to be on there, and then uh, stepdaughter who's twenty two, and my oldest son who's um, twenty six. So we get him spread all over. What's the uh, best part about being a dad? Do you have, I have an 18-month-old son. Do you have any advice for me? <laughs> the only advice I have is it gets better every day. Yeah. Um, and it's a new challenge every day. But yeah. 
you know, I think at the end of the day, you, you'll never regret putting more time into your kids. The only thing you'll regret is, is the times you went off and did something for yourself and didn't put time in your kids. Yeah. Um, so I was you know, my oldest and I was you know, trying to get my career going and, and meet obligations to other people and, and didn't spend as much time as I could with, with the first couple. And, and that's what you'll regret. You'll never regret the time that you spend with them. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I love having my son. He's, uh, he's the best thing ever. And, and we've, we've, we were watching TV. We're letting him watch TV for a while. And then I started reading about how it makes him aggressive or it can and all this stuff. And he was really getting kind of aggressive about, you know, just. And so we stopped watching it like four days ago. And it's like he didn't miss a beat. He never missed it at all. He never, he never like looked at the TV. Like, what are we, why aren't we watching that, you know? That's good. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he's, he, I can already tell a difference in his temperament and everything else. So, uh, you know. None of your kids wanted to wrestle? Well, no. I tried to get um, you know, the one that's graduating this year to, to wrestle. We went to some practices, and he was in fourth grade. And, you know, one of my friends who was, who was coaching the wrestling club practice kind of got a little over anxious and pulled him out of the mat. And there was another real kind of chubby kid without his shirt on. Um, Bryson's my son's name. He's like, Bryson, Bryson, wrestle this guy. And so he matched him up, and Bryson kind of leaned in and looked at the guy, and the guy was all sweaty and no shirt on. And Bryson's like, no. He went and sat in the hall. He's like, I'm going to go play basketball again. I'm not, I'm no more wrestling. <laughs> but he turned out to be a really good basketball player. He had a good yeah. high school career. And he may play in college. We'll see. Yeah. Um, I used to try and play my daughter a quarter to tell my wife when she got home from from work that she was going to want to go for wrestling when she was about third, fourth grade. <laughs> I never fooled my wife. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you, too, what do you remember about Dave Schultz? Dave was, um, gosh, one of the central, I guess, figures in, in my wrestling career. Um, because as I was coming up through high school, Dave was just becoming a legend. He had um, beating some great wrestlers in the Olympic trials or um, Great Plains tournament, you know, in the in the 70s, 76, 77. And, and then he was, um, I think, three years ahead of me in college. For my freshman year in college, I wrestled him in the Great Plains tournament in the final. I took second and Dave won, and it was like nine, three or something, but it wasn't that close. Yeah. And, um, it may have been the only time we actually wrestled in competition. But we wrestled in practice from you know, through my, my freshman year in college all the way up until um, they passed. We wrestled in practice all the time. Yeah. And he he was, and he coach cornered me, um, cornered me in the darts of match in 89-01. He cornered me in a lot of matches, but even at the same time, I was then grew bigger and was matched up against his brother Mark and wrestled Mark in the, in the 84 Olympic trials. And, and in 85, I wrestled Mark in the world team trials. And then 86, I moved up. But they still helped me um, with technique. And, and uh, you know, this was one of those guys that was going to help anybody. Um, You're competing against his brother? Yeah. Um, and he was still helping me in practices. He tried to beat the shit out of you in practice. He was he was as mean as they come once you stepped on the mat. Yeah. Um, and incredibly um, fierce competitor and would torture you in practice if he could. But as soon as you were working on some move or you'd be doing a move that he hadn't seen before, he'd come over and say, hey, sure, show me that move. And you're like, um, okay. And then he would work on it, work on it, and help refine it with you. He'd show you some technique that he just learned. Hey, what do you think about this? He was just that kind of like a tinker. You know, he was going to tinker with wrestling. He wanted to understand everything he could about wrestling. And if he could pick up something from you, great. And he was so excited if he picked something up, he was going to share it with you. But also, we had, you know, we had a great time on all these international trips because he was curious about the world. He wanted to meet people and want to get to understand them, what made them tick. He wanted to understand what made the Soviet system tick. Um, you know, and he just wanted to get out, get out of the hotel, get around, 
see people and, and figure out what was going on. And he was a great guy to be around, just incredibly great guy to be around. Uh, do, you, do you remember where you were and all that when you heard about his murder? Yeah, that was incredibly un, unfortunate. Um, I was in the uh, in the office at USA Wrestling, got a call, and, and uh, we got informed that you know David had killed earlier that day, and just an incredible shock. Um, David had been out to Colorado Springs um, a few months before that, and you know we talked frankly about you know, do you feel safe there, and because every most everybody had left, and Dave felt safe. Dave felt like he was in control of and could handle the situation. Unfortunately. You know, I think there was a lot of exacerbating factors, um, you know, and, and it was something that, you know, we knew there was some potential that this guy wasn't right in the head, but they thought he could control it, and Dave stayed out there. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, the worst happened. And, and you know, that there's hardly, you know, a week or two that doesn't, doesn't go by, um, even still now, that I don't think uh, of what Dave Schultz would have become and the contributions he would have made to wrestling. You know, I think he, you know, he may have made the, uh, the Olympic team. He may have continued to wrestle on for a couple more years, but he would have probably been down around 98 or so as a wrestler. And then he would have been a phenomenal coach um, and mentor to other athletes. And he would have stayed in the U.S. wrestling system, either as a freestyle coach, club coach, college coach, and I think would have had some unique contributions to the sport. And that's the thing that, that I draw on more than anything else. One, we all lost a great friend, but we lost somebody that, you know, would have changed wrestling in the United States and would have had a contribution that we can't measure now, but one we know would have been immense. Yeah. Yeah, I've never heard anyone say anything bad about Dave Schultz other than he would hurt you when you were wrestling. Um, no, and, and, you know, you're out there on the mat. You're not asking anybody to protect you. And, he was he was going to grind you. He was he was going to get after you. He yeah. was just competitive, and um, you know. But at the same time, as soon as live goes, we're done. You're working on technique. He was going to turn around and help you as much as he could. Yeah. You think he would have made the team in '96? He was ranked number one, wasn't he? He was the number one guy. Yeah, I think he would have had a good chance. I think he took a lot of time in '95 and. and, and and worked on what he needed to do, and I think he would have been right there in 96. Because Kenny Monday kept him off the team in 88, right? Yeah. Wow, we've had some great 63-pounders, haven't we? Well, when you go back in 163, and, and, you know, the theory goes that's the, you know, the, the peak of, our, of the size of the U.S. population peaks out in that 163-pound category, and maybe that's the, the reason why just in terms of numbers of competitors. But, I mean, you go back and you look at um, where guys were. Um, I think Wayne Wells was 163. Um, you look at then the Olympic trials with Stan Desick, um, Wade Chalice, uh, and others, and, and Desick being uh, a bronze medalist in the Olympic Games. And then you move forward and you got um, you know, Dave Schultz and any Monday, and and then you go on to um, you know Burroughs and and some guys that have been right on his hills, and it's a pretty phenomenal weight class for the United States. Wasn't Lee Kemp a sixty-three pounder or no? And and Lee Kemp, um, you know, may have been uh, as good as they come. Lee was right there in seventy-six, and then he was um, would have been uh, an Olympic gold medalist in nineteen eighty. There's no question in my mind. I don't think any question in anybody's mind, you know, that Lee Camp would have been an Olympic gold medalist in 1980. And then, um, you know, maybe had stayed in there in 84, that Dave beat him in 84 um, in some great matches. And then um, Kenny beat um, Dave in 88 in some great matches. So just, you know, being able to watch those Olympic trials and see the level of competition between those guys was, was incredible. Yeah, I bet. Um... Uh, do you think the uh, 2021 Olympics are going to happen? You know, it's a really good question. And, and you know, <laughs> I work in sports and sport management and events is our business and putting events on. And we postponed um, our world events back to 2021. We're hopeful that they'll happen. 
whether or not they can happen the way we'd like them to happen with fans and as a normal event, we don't know. Um, you know, we're probably a year to 18 months from a widely available vaccine. And I think at the end of the day, and I, I'm not a health expert, but I, I think the um, death rates with COVID-19 are less than um, what people feared they would be earlier on. I think the infectious rate is probably higher than we have anticipated. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna hope that the population is willing to assume the risks necessary for the world to return to normal um, by that time frame. And we, we can quantify the risks, manage the risks from those classes of individuals that um, have the greatest risk and, and can kind of help those people stay safe and, and the rest of the world can go about its business. Yeah, I sure hope it happens, and I hope the college season isn't affected by it. I know that, or I've heard rather, that, uh, you know, if football doesn't happen, it could greatly affect wrestling and all those kind of sports, too. You know, they kind of count on football, so. Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm, 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 I don't want to be pessimistic, but, but there's a lot of, there's more potential negative outcomes right now than positive when you look at collegiate sports and and the status of wrestling as a collegiate sport. Yeah. You know, you mentioned great growth of wrestling at, at small school level, um, kind of stemmed the bleeding from, from bigger schools dropping. But if college football gets decimated and the schools don't have that revenue, even though it isn't net revenue in a lot of cases, um, it, it supports student enrollment, it supports um, the rest of the college athletic department. And if you just have that football expense with no football revenue, um, this this fall, you're going to have a really difficult future for, for college athletics. Yeah. How, how did you get into uh, lacrosse? Did you start playing that after you're done wrestling, or did you always? No, no. I've I've played a little wall ball now, and hope to hope to play some lacrosse. But you know, the job opportunity a little over three years ago um, kind of came up, and it looked like something that was really interesting, and met my talents and skill level, and really. Uh, effort to get lacrosse into the Olympic Games was one that a challenge I found pretty intriguing and, and signed up for it. And it's a great sport. It's like wrestling. You know, it's kind of got the same um, following and people who participate in it because it was a, a niche sport for so long, like wrestling, kind of have that same family feeling to the sport and uh, kind of some of the same product, uh, pockets of the country, um, particularly on the East Coast. So. It's, it's been a good experience, good people and, and good sport. Yeah, awesome. Um, what's it like? I know you're, uh, I'm not sure how old you are, late 50s. <laughs> <laughs> but you still look like you're in pretty good shape. What is it pretty cool feeling knowing that if you had to, you could defend yourself against pretty much anyone? <laughs> That's funny. I was tell, talking to my, um, my son about this the other day. And I said, you know, the great thing about being a, and I was a world-class wrestler, so I'm not bragging and saying that. Right. The great thing about being a world-class wrestler, plus, you know, this whole 10,000-hour theories of, of being a genius at something. You know, I had 10,000 hours of fistfights with my brother by the time I was 15. Yeah. Plus, you know, I don't know how many hours of actual wrestling, scrimmaging, and competition. You know, triple the 10,000 hours of fisticuffs. Yeah. You know, back when I was younger and still... Um, to a certain extent today, you know, I could say, you know, I felt pretty comfortable walking down the street, but I don't care who it was. I, I was physically able to handle any confrontation that, that came up. And, and that was a good feeling. Obviously now, now and, and even back then, but, you know, uh, there's a lot more, um, you know, guns in play and, and that kind of stuff. So, you know, discretion is the better part of, of uh, being a little bit smarter, but still somebody, um, um, you know, and, and I honestly got to say, I've, I probably had like 15 times where somebody on the basketball court's taken a swing at me in the last 20 years. So really? it's nice to be able to be able to defend yourself and not actually have to punch somebody. Just take them down and go, okay, do you really want to do this or what? <laughs> <laughs> and dude, you can literally do it to anyone. I mean, Mark Bet, I say his name wrong every time. Mark Bet Kartsayev, however you say it. 
That guy was a freaking beast, and you beat him. And, and it was, you know, I haven't, I haven't. I don't think I could. I don't think I could do it with Virgil Earl. Virgil <laughs> Earl is pretty handy. <laughs> That's funny that you've watched that. I appreciate that you that you've taken the time to watch that. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's that's awesome to me that uh, somebody I looked up to when I was a kid watches my stupid videos. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool, man. Um, well, you got to get Virgil Earl into some uh, no contact karate where they where those guys do their aura stuff, and that's my favorite stuff to watch is when those guys get the crap kicked out of them. <laughs> yeah, man, that's cool. Um, what else did I want to ask you? Uh, Toughest guy you've ever wrestled was Karzaev, right? Yeah, he's he was by far. Yeah. I mean, my brother day in and day out. Uh, Mark Schultz was pretty phenomenal at his best. Um, Dave Schultz was was pretty tough in in the uh, practice go. I wrestled with Bruce a lot, and Bruce was, was certainly tough. But but Arza was was by far the strongest guy I've ever wrestled. I, I remember what I wanted to ask you about. Um, I noticed you were a seventy four pounder your senior year. And then you ended up wrestling internationally at 198. Um, uh, 177, okay. which was the weight class my senior year in college. Okay. Um, I didn't. I had to cut a bit to get down there, um, and I I wrestled 180 internationally for um, two years after after college. And 180 just got to be too much of a cut, yeah. and then I ended up going up to 198. My normal weight, day in and day out of wrestling practice, was about 202. Okay, so you didn't have to cut hardly any weight. Was that difficult at first to, to wrestle those monsters? Well, there was a couple of guys that were just super strong. I mean, Dan Shade, when he grew into 198, uh, was pretty strong. Mark Coleman, super strong. Um, there was this Oganesian, Sanasar Oganesian, was a, a great Soviet wrestler, was really strong. Um, those guys were load at first until I, until I got a little stronger at 198. Cool, man. Well, I, uh, I won't take up your whole day. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I can't tell you how cool it is to, I've talked to Barry Davis now and I, I kind of grew up with Eric Aiken and I had him on and Sammy Henson and Eric Aiken's a character. man. Yeah. You know, Eric Aiken? <laughs> he was just coming up when I was still at USA wrestling. And, um, yeah. Eric's a character. I don't know him that well, but enough. <laughs> well, when you say he's a character, what do you remember about him? Oh, I just remember after some meets, he, he would, um, he just marches to his own drummer a bit. <laughs> tough athlete, though. Tough, tough competitor, tough guy. Yeah, yeah. He was who I looked up to the most when I was a kid. He was the guy that, you know, I, I'm from Kansas, and uh, we, we had some pretty good high school talent, but not a lot of guys did stuff on, like, a national level, and he was the first guy that really did, that I knew anyway, from Kansas. And uh, Melvin Douglas. And... Yeah, yeah. Well, that I grew up with. I guess Melvin Douglas was a little before my time. Mm -hmm. but... Yeah. Wes Roper, I wrestled my Wes may have been a senior in college. My freshman year, uh, I was a true freshman. I think he was ranked third. He beat me 9'8 at 158 um, in the Wilkes tournament, which was the big one of the big Christmas tournaments. Um, kind of got taken over by the Midlands. Yeah. Do you know Wes pretty well now? Um, I, I haven't stayed in contact with him that much post his, his wrestling career, but but always appreciated. Uh, Wes as a wrestler and as a coach and thought he was a really good guy. Yeah, I had him on my podcast and, and just a super nice person and really down to earth. And uh, he came to one of my shows in Missouri and the, the owner of the place came up and told me Wes Roper's in the crowd. And I'm like, man, I don't like to know that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, never. I look up to somebody. I don't like to know they're in the audience. You know, um, <laughs> I get more nervous before I do these podcasts with with guys like you than I do going in front of a thousand people that I don't know. <laughs> it's not even live. It's so stupid. I'm sitting here going, just talk to him, dum-dum. It's just a guy. <laughs> uh, you've, you've done a lot of uh, research on a really old wrestler, me, so that was good. You, uh, you're, you're one of the best of all time, and it's really cool to have you on here, and I really appreciate it. And uh, you got anything else you want to say before we get out of here? The only thing I want before I go is your, your best shaggy dog joke. Uh, shaggy dog? That's like a really long joke with a stupid punchline. Oh, uh, <laughs> man! I don't. I don't hardly have any jokes like that. Sometimes no, your your stuff is like material, material, yeah. not joke, joke. Yeah, 
the only the only joke I I ever remember, and every now and again I'll do it when the checks come out because people aren't hardly paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> the joke I do is uh, there's a 90 year old man reminiscing to his grand grandkids. He's like, I remember when I was in my 20s, I was hunting lions on the Serengeti, and out of nowhere, a huge lion. Ah, I shit my pants. And the grandson says, that's all right, Grandpa. Anyone in that situation would have done the same thing. He goes, no, just now when I went, ah. <laughs> See, that's the kind of jokes I like, misdirection. <laughs> that's the only one I, I, I ever remember. And uh, my nephew told me one about Helen Keller. He goes, what's, he's only eight years old. He goes, what's, why can't Helen Keller have kids? Like, I don't know. And he goes, because she's dead. That actually is really good. Yeah, dude, you have to remember that. Anyway. Uh, I just tell the stupid dad jokes to my kids now and I'm all in. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't tell you how much I really appreciate you doing this and being on here and how cool it is for me that you were. And uh, I'm never disappointed when I meet uh, – I've never been disappointed so far when I meet the guys I, that were my heroes when I was a kid and uh, I still haven't been, so – so thanks, man. Well, thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed the conversation, and and um, yeah, I'm gonna have to catch one of your shows. I don't know if you ever get out here to um, Colorado, but I work at the at Looney's in Colorado Springs. Yeah, there in uh, gosh, I want to say March, maybe. So it hasn't been that long ago. No, maybe January. It all kind yeah. of together after a while. Well, I'll, I'll keep an eye on it, and hopefully, you can get out touring again soon. Yeah, I'll let you know when I when I come back to Colorado Springs. It's it's one of my favorite clubs in the country as far as the crowds they're just uh they're really good comedy crowds there so yeah i would love to but don't let me know you're in the audience i'll just yeah. I'll sneak in. and you can just show up and hopefully it'll be a good show that's my favorite thing is when someone comes up to me after a show and i didn't know they were there and it was a good show and i'm like oh you were there for that one all right sweet <laughs> and every now and again though it won't be the show i wanted and they'll come out and i'm like oh you were here for that <laughs> Well, it's got to kind of be like wrestling where obviously you prepare, you're a professional. Some nights you're like feeling it, some you aren't. Some of your audience is good, some not. You just got to kind of do your thing yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah the, the, the similarities are very, uh, it's very similar to how I feel. How I feel before I go on stage is just, how, just like how I felt before uh, wrestling matches. You know, the same kind of nerves and the same kind of why do I do this kind of a thing. <laughs> And then it's, you know, it always ends up okay. But, yeah, man. Well, thank you very much, Jim. And All I, right. Thanks, man. We'll talk soon, and hopefully uh, I'll get to see you soon. Okay. Take care. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks. Take care. All right, everybody. Jim Sure, very cool dude. Uh, two-time Olympic silver medalist. Or excuse me, two-time world silver medalist. Uh, 1988 Olympian. Two-time All-American NCAA champion. Uh, super nice dude. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> Really cool to have them on. Like I said, I'm always uh, impressed with these guys and how cool they are and how uh, uh, willing they are to talk about stuff. As always, go to makingithappen.com, M-A-C-A-N, ithappen.com. Help out little Bo Macon and his family. And uh, go to my YouTube, youtube.com slash Tim Gaither and subscribe. I'm going to be doing uh, these wrestling podcasts hopefully every week. I'm going to have a new guy on and, and put the uh, Zoom on, on YouTube on Wrestling Wednesday. And I'm not sure when I'm going to put up the audio podcast, but it'll all be up there. And uh, you guys can check it out. I really appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe and uh, like and share my stuff and all that stuff. I really appreciate it. And that's it. God bless all of you. Take care. Bye.